It's 4am and the drugs are wearing off. What a shame. I still don't like me. Try shining light on your grief instead of numbing it. Affirmation, I choose to overcome the fright I feel about my pain. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system, a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors. The same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, Mann's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Ollie, welcome to the Driven Young Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Hey, thank you for reaching out. I know we've got some mutual friends who recommended, and you've just launched your book, A Beautiful Mind. Um, and you had your book party last night, didn't you? I did. I had my book launch. It was it was exciting and terrifying. Yeah. The reading part, I was just like, oh gosh, it's all so like, yeah, yeah. it's also personal. Public reading. And so you, this is a is interesting because you show me this book, and I mean, how many pages are we looking at here? Like almost two hundred pages, right? Yeah, just a bit but over. each page is just a different quote, affirmation, little thing to read. Um, which is really, really cool and really unique. And I know these, these take a lot of effort to like create or like source mm. and find. Like I've been kind of building my little library of them for a while. Yeah. So I'm cool to kind of unpack that. But before we get into, I guess, that story, um, I did want to unpack what did you do after high school? And like when you're 18, yeah. you graduate, what were your first steps? What were you thinking? What was going on in your head? And kind of give me a bit of the story. That yeah. Was going on there. So I went to an all boys school, which was... All kinds of trauma, but I then actually went to do a performing arts degree. I studied musical theatre straight after high school, which was like very, very different. It was Mm. like a completely different world. Not just because there were women, but because everyone was so in touch with like their feelings. Mm. Like if you do a theatre degree, you'll know it's like all about being vulnerable. Yeah. And coming from an all-boys school, it was like, okay, what is this? Mm. (laughs) But um, no, it was great. It was really, really different to anything I'd experienced, but it was it was really a degree in social skills, which was great. And do you think that was almost like what you were craving after it sounds like it was a bit of a toxic kind of boys boys yeah. school. Like yeah. I, I went to co ed, so I'm not sure. Oh, you're lucky. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, crazy. I hear all girls is brutal. And now oh. I'm hearing all boys is brutal. So it's like you can't win. All boys is like they're just like on the hunt. It's yeah, like right. if you're even slightly, you know, in touch with feelings or feminine. Really? It's like hunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's intense, but it was nice to see there's a different way of being outside of high school. It was mm. really, it was nice. And you find, I found my people. I found my crowd. I found my voice as well. Cause I mm. actually like literally majored in the voice. So it was good. And now I teach that. So yeah, good. great. Yeah. And so why do you think you were attracted to theater? What was it because you went to all boys and you're like, this can't be the only way I feel like I'm missing out or what was it? Was it the performing arts? What was? Yeah, I think it was, well, because I didn't have a great experience at an all boys school. I think it was kind of escape to be honest. Mm. It was just like, Oh my gosh, I want to feel something <laughs> like yeah, yeah. some kind of expression. I needed it. And music's always been a great form of expression for me. I mean, even at, I went to Alwishes, even at Alwishes, it was like, 
straight to the music rooms. Mm. Like to the point where I would just like actually just skip class and go straight to the music rooms. Yeah, right. Yeah. I love music. Because the reason I ask this question is because people are always like, you know, young people are confused. When you hit 18, it's like, what decision do you make? Yeah. Because a lot of people are, and even, you know, I work with a lot of young 20-year-olds, early mm. 25, they also have no idea what they're doing. So I think it's yeah. great to get different perspectives from people and really go, why do they go down this pathway? Yeah. And so you went to theatre school and what have you done since then? Yeah, since then, well, I did a few shows, which was great. Kind of taking a step back now, actually, and just opened my own business. And teaching now, I'm very passionate about helping people find their own voice. So I really, there's a lot of psychology in singing. Mm. Anyone who knows and like has a singing lesson, they're like, this is a therapy session. Mm. Um, it's, it's really about, and I, I really tie in my love for psychology in bringing out someone's voice because a lot of the time it's so scary to sing out and project because we're facing everybody who put our voice back in that position, mm. you know? That's what's so scary is like trauma sits in your voice. Trauma comes out as like, hi, like, how are you going? Hi. And mm. then like, you want to have this big singing voice. It doesn't just happen. If your whole life you've been like, hi, really overly mm. polite. But uh, that's what I try and train. I try and unlock people's voice. So you demand people listen when you speak mm. simply by the resonance in your voice. Yeah. You know? So you do singing lessons for people. I but do. But like, I guess... I, the point you're trying to make is it's not just coming in and doing singing. Before you get to the singing, you really pull back yin yin and go, all right, let's have a look at this. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I mean, I can relate to this so much because I do public speaking for a living. Mm. And like my, my best friend, she's a women's public speaking and confidence coach for women. And like she deals with this all the time. Like she does yeah. one-on-one coaching. She said like a lot of it isn't even, she's, she's, she's got eight clients. Only one of them is doing a presentation. All the other seven is just confidence in the workplace, how to speak. A lot of it is kind yeah. of trauma they're dealing with. Yeah. She's kind of coaching them through that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And you see it so much in like, for example, my students, like people of color, the queer trans students I have, and a lot of females, uh, they come so apologetic, mm. so apologetic. And I'm just like, take up the space. Yeah. Take up the space. It is yours. It yeah. belongs Shut to up. you. Stop apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. apologizing. Oh, I have a rule. I'm like, you can't say sorry again. Yeah. yeah, that's a good rule. Like, honestly, like it gets to a point where it's about 20 times a lesson. Mm. I'm like, no, why? Don't apologize for being here. Yeah. You deserve a, to be here. It's a lesson. Yeah. You're supposed to stuff Literally. up. Also, you're paying me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is yours. Like, you know, it's a collaboration, but this is your time, mm. you know? It's fascinating. And then you look at a man's kind of vocal trauma. It's different again. It's like a fear of going to any upper register mm. or going higher because it's like, you know, as, I don't know, do you know Brene, Brene Brown? Yeah, I'm of a course. huge Brene Brown fan. Of course. Yeah, I've read all the books. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, Obsessed. she's phenomenal, yeah. Obsessed. But she says, when she, she speaks about shame, for women, it's shame around their body image. Yes. And for men, it's being perceived as weak. Well, that's what she says. Like men's biggest fear is being perceived as weak. Yeah. If we, if we perceive crying as being perceived as weakness and we're not going to want to cry or if we yeah. perceive as singing high as weak or the list goes on and on and on. Yes. If we sh show emotions as weak, well, then we're not going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. That's, and I write something about that in my book as well. I said, just to paraphrase myself, I don't even remember, but <laughs> it is like, it's up to parents to encourage tears or habits of violence with their children, with their sons, you know, because we're conditioned from such a young age. Like we're fed a million and one messages. Mm. You know, if you feel you are weak, mm. you know, I saw someone actually at the beach like two days ago 
this man was speaking, this little, he had a little son. He was like two and the little boy started crying and he goes, am I allowed to say? Yeah, you can swear. Great. It's not even really a swear, but he's like, don't be a pussy. And I was just like, Mm. I was like, you are traumatizing this little boy. You're saying, don't feel. Well, the, I actually, because I talk a lot about this, I have a whole presentation around vulnerability for men and stuff and I share a story yeah. about my my father and the generational trauma down from like, mm. I kind of, something I had a realization lately is like, I think men is especially are still suffering from the impacts of the war yeah. because we have, you know, our grandfathers rightly are completely emotionally cut off and they mm-hmm. pass it down to our fathers who pass it down to us and mm-hmm. I feel like each generation gets slightly better but we've still got a way to go. Yeah. But this story, actually, it's one of Brene Brown's stories. Yeah. Oh, you probably know it. It's um, of the artist, the, the boy, the artist. I'll remind sit- me, remind me. So basically she's like, I was sitting down with a man who's about 35 years old doing an interview with him. And he said, you know, Brene, when I was 11 years old, I knew for the rest of my life, if all I did was do drawings and make art, I'd be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. And so I used to do it every day, I'd draw. And then one day, as a man's voice kind of starts to shake, he's like, I was, you know, sitting in the kitchen with my mum and my dad and my uncle came in. And he was kind of laughing with my dad. And then he turns to one of my artworks on the fridge and he says, oh, what are you raising? A faggot son? Wow. And then wow. his dad kind of goes, oh, I just laughs it off and like takes it off. And even his mother, who was so supportive of his work, stopped paying for art classes. Wow. And he said, as he sat there, like getting quite emotional in front of her, he said, that was the last time I ever drew a piece of artwork. I'm 35 years old now and I'm an accountant. Yeah, and it's, it's just, shivers. I know, and I it's just like, shivers. you know, was the uncle trying to be an asshole? Probably not. From his perspective, he was just having a bit of banter or whatever. Mm. But stuff like that will, tr- you know, can traumatize someone. Absolutely. And then, and then she goes on to say, like, I wonder how many people have not pursued the creative arts or whatever careers because they had one incident, incident when they were 10 years old, which has kind of shattered them. And mm-hmm. I see that a lot with like, you know, teachers might say something and she shares stories about how her daughter wrote, like drew a, a purple horse or something. And they're like, that's not how you, that's not what a horse looks like. And like yeah. they put them in this box, mm-hmm. but that's a big thing I've been kind of talking about recently. Cause it's such a, it's very hard to identify almost the vulnerability thing and the weakness thing with men. It's such an ingrained. And as you mentioned, it's amazing. And it's almost to, Oh, uh, who was it? Justin Baldoni. He's a podcast mm. man enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Yeah. I, don't, I know of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was saying there's a moment in a boy's life when that toxic masculinity just kicks in. It's that moment when you can't really look at your dad in the eye for too long or you can't put your head on his lap, mm. you know, without it being awkward now. Mm. You know, that's toxic masculinity and that's what we need to get rid of because it's like, it's trained in us from like little boys, you know, you're fed in a million and one ways, the same message. And it's just so unhelpful. Mm. (laughs) Like it's so unhelpful. I mean, the ripple effects, I think, cause so many issues in today's society. Mm. And like, even like saying, I love you or Mm. like hugging can be very yeah. awkward yeah, and stuff like that. Like I was talking with mom because I've never really said, I struggle to say I love you to my parents, even yeah. though I do. And I think I show them in other ways. Like yes. that's why I asked them to go for dinner and all these different things. Yeah. And mom was, I was talking to mom about it and she's like, yeah, I do as well. And I always thought it came from dad's side. Wow. And she was like, yeah, you know, your grandma and your granddad have probably said it three or four times in my life. Wow. And so I was like, okay, so I've got two parents who struggle to say it. No wonder I struggle to say it. And yeah. again, I know they love me. Yeah, it's just the act of literally saying "see you later," "I love you." Yeah, it's so tricky, and it sounds so stupid to someone who probably doesn't struggle with this. 
but it's that like really ingrainedness. Yeah, no, I struggle with it for yeah, sure. Right. I mean, with my mum, no. With my dad, <laughs> yeah, whole new world. It's completely different. It's just completely different. Like mm. getting that kind of close is just like oh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it's like fear of rejection or if it's what coming up, but something's coming up. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of guys feel that way. I don't know many men who say I love you to their dad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think it it's, it takes a real. The funny thing is, most dads would probably love it as well. Yeah, for sure. Like if you said it and you and you yeah. made the effort, they'd probably they probably want that deep down. Absolutely. And I, it's so funny. Because men and women, are, they're actually very similar in a lot of ways. Like mm. a lot of ways, literally 99.9% of our genes are the same. Shock horror. Um, <laughs> like we're all feminine and masculine. So of course a man's going to want to feel and, you know, be loved. That's like human thing. That's not a, a female thing. It's a good point. Like I heard someone a while ago, because there's such a discourse on like TikTok, especially with like, you know, oh, the men's issues and women's issues and all these kind of, who's got it worse? It's like, who... That's yeah. such a toxic, it's such a, yeah. it's such a, an argument that doesn't benefit anyone. Ranking oppression is yeah. not helpful. No, it doesn't benefit anyone. No. But I heard someone say like, even just saying masculine and feminine is kind of un- counterproductive because we're all human. Yes. And it's like, yes, men have more traits that lean this way and women have more traits mm. that lean this way. But it's like, it's not just because it's masculine means women can't do it. And just because feminine means men can't do it. Absolutely. And I say this in the book, I'm like, at the end of the day, we're all just chemicals. Mm. Like, can we all calm down? And let's like step back and realize what you've been taught because you can challenge anything you've learned. Like if it's not helpful, Mm. you know, look at that. I think that's also like takes you a while to realize. I think as a young child, you think the world is almost perfect and everyone has it figured out. Yeah. And you go, oh, school's right. What my, t- what my parents are saying is right. What my teachers are saying are right. And then as you get a bit older, you go, oh, actually, maybe it's not all right. Mm. Maybe there's some stuff people don't know and I can start to read your own books or listen to podcasts or do your own yeah. research and go, like Brene Brown, like unlocked a whole new kind of way of thinking for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Her and Glennon Doyle, like, mm. do you know Glennon Doyle? No. Oh, you need to read Untamed. Wow. Oh, I've heard of Untamed. Everybody listening, read Untamed. Yeah. It's like... It's unreal. It's similar kind of writing to Brene Brown, Mm. but it's about escaping the self that was created by expectations in society. Mm. And that's very much what this book was for me. It was escaping everything I learned about myself and who I had to be, you know? And I think that's something we all need to do. We all need to reconnect with ourselves because Mm. most of society have lost themselves, I think. I agree. You know? I think we're not very well connected. I think and in Sydney where we live, I feel I was been talking like, cause it's so expensive right now. It's like, everyone just works. There's no time to like yeah. just be human and just like, Hey, do you want to hang out? I'm free in three weeks time. And then it doesn't work out. Cause we all have to pay rent and keep ourselves alive. We have to work a lot of time just to yep, survive. Yeah. To survive, to pay for the rent and food. And, and then also the bare minimums have gone up a bit. Yeah. The bare minimum is now Spotify, Netflix, a good phone. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, so like I bet, you know, our hierarchy of needs has like raised up a bit. Yes. Combined with the rents and everything. Mm. It feels like a lot of people are just going through the motions and aren't connecting with themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like COVID really, mm. not to bring up COVID. No, it's but, <laughs> but I feel like that it kind of either went two ways. People were like, okay, cool, we're out now. Let's like, let's all like live our best life or a lot of people stayed kind of yeah inside 
Oh, I've seen it so much because I work uh, with a lot of young people, like yeah. 14. Oh, young, young. Okay. Well, I do. I, I go from as young as 14 to old as, as 30. Mm-hmm. But one of the programs we run is for 14 to 21 year olds. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, the, the impacts of COVID on these kids who in their formative years didn't socialize. Yeah. They're so awkward. Oh, that's they, so they don't know how to talk really. Some of them, they're struggling so much. They're like so lost and confused. Social media, like it's just a, they're getting slammed from a lot of different angles. Absolutely. That's really concerning as well because I can't even imagine growing up now mm. with social media. Like I'm lucky. I, it became a thing when I was in like year 11. Right. But to have it so young while your brain is still developing, like that's dangerous. I mean, I had it. I think I got Facebook yeah. in year five, year six. Five. So like I remember having Facebook. It was still so early days. I only accepted like my closest best friends and then slowly you start accepting everyone and then you start, yeah. then you can start talking to everyone and you're kind of flirting with girls and figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Snapchat's the whole thing. Stories was yeah. super toxic. Yeah. I mean, stories is fun, but it's like, I always say the example of like, you know, back in the day before social media, yeah. if you didn't get invited to a party, come Monday morning at school, everyone's talking about it and you go, oh, you feel a little bit shitty, right? Yeah. But now you sit at home and you can watch the party from every angle on stories of everyone like, wow. and they're only showing the best bits where they're having fun, aren't they? Yeah. Not showing the parts where they're crying and want to go home <laughs> Absolutely. and everything. And like throwing up in the garden. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Or like just their friends doing shoeys or whatever. They're just yeah. showing all the, all the fun stuff. And you yeah. sit at, I remember I'd, I'd sit at home and just be like, oh, how come I wasn't invited? Yeah. And then most people have photographers now at parties and they get a whole Facebook album the next day and they post it. And it's just like, this stuff is, it's not bullying. Mm. And it's no one's a bad person in that scenario. Mm. That's another thing, another issue. Like it used to be bully, victim, but now it's like, there's no one's really bad. They're not bad for posting stories or bad for posting mm. photos, but it's just... The effect that can have on young people is very absolutely, unhealthy. and I don't think enough people are taught to kind of look inward and like address that. I guess FOMO is mm. really disguise of a disguise of am I enough? Mm. That that tr- like that wound kind of being triggered, you know, like what's wrong with me? Mm. That and it's like that's why I'm like I'm like everyone go to therapy, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From a young age, I'm like therapy. I it's, love it. It's the um, I think also therapy, but also just having those conversations with friends. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people go to therapy yeah. and it's like, you could have just, if you had some decent friends, just had those, yeah. a lot of those deep conversations with your friends around you. Yeah. And cause I kind of got those friends in the past few years and it's been like a bit of a game changer for me to have good quality people around you. Yeah. And that's my whole message with my programs and everything. Mm-hmm. Just like surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when you walk in the room. Yeah. That's kind of the quote I use. That's really nice. That's absolutely, that's so true. That is so, so true. Mm. But I mean, let's have a look at your book here. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, because you've got, I did want to share my favorite, I don't know if it's an affirmation or like my favorite thing. Yeah, it might be affirmation. in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's like six words, I think. And it's very simple. It's, I am not afraid to be seen trying. Oh, that's nice. And so I always just say, especially to young people who are terrified of trying because you might be cringe or you might fail or it might be embarrassing. It's yeah. like, I am not afraid to be seen trying. Yeah. Because trying is not cool. Hmm. Succeeding is cool. But like trying, like when you, you know, when you're doing PE and you're trying the hardest and everyone's sitting there just like kind of laughing. Yeah. And sort of thing. So that's my, like one of my favorite kind of whatever you call it. Yeah. yeah affirmation. Affirmation. Yeah. That's nice. For sure. But let's jump in. So okay. did you have anything you wanted to share? Cause you're a bit scared. I'm going to open up to a page that maybe isn't, <laughs> as, isn't as good as the other ones. <laughs> I know I'm nervous. Okay. I mean, look. Are there any like page numbers that you think are good shout outs? Ooh. 
I think page three is a good one. And page, actually page one, I, I really love. Starting strong? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Did you want me to read them or do you want to read yeah, them? Yeah, you read it. Okay. How about I read, I read page one and you sure, say three? Sure, sure. We can okay. unpack them. <laughs> All right, easy, easy. So page one is, the best way to truly love somebody is to understand their trauma. That goes for yourself too. Once you understand your trauma and know what is happening inside, you can develop the self-soothing language your nervous system requires. Healing begins when we find the words missing inside of us. And then the affirmation is, I choose deep awareness of my trauma in order to seek out the magical words it requires to rest. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. I think this is... This is a really, yeah, it's a good one to start with, isn't it? Yeah. and I mean, it's just like, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because I've seen, the, I think the point about knowing yourself, because I see a lot of people sweeping under the rug mm. or just never address it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've done, read the study, the top five regrets of the dying. I've, that's on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely seen that. I haven't well, read Well, I that. mean, just the top five. Uh, even if you just read the top five regrets, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But like one of them... Um, they, they, she talks about how like a lot of people develop bitterness and resentment um, because they never address stuff within themselves. Yeah. And so they often had a lot of resentment and bitterness to people who had. Oh, absolutely. And this was like typically around men. Mm. And I think that's a, has a lot to do with this kind of thing. In order to love yourself, you have to look at what's, you know, what are your issues? What's going on yeah. inside of you? What are you dealing with? Absolutely. And so much of like trauma, if we're talking about trauma specifically, comes back from like when you're younger. Yeah. So it's very easy to be like, oh, no, I've been pretty good for the past five, six years. Yeah. But it's like you're dealing with stuff not five, six years. You're dealing with stuff 20 years ago. Yeah. And that can be a very confronting thing to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And like how much we subconsciously bring into adulthood those patterns that we've learned mm. that can morph into something else, you know, and it's usually relationships, mm. yeah. you know, like the caregiver was what avoidant or, you know, inconsistent with love and then your relationships are going to suffer for that mm. but you know we don't see it until someone addresses it often mm. it's wild well they say from zero to seven 90 percent of who you are as a person is developed yeah. in that time that's wild. the first seven years which is crazy yeah and so if you've got like and we talk about this a lot like no one comes out of the womb confident or not confident like yeah no one's just everyone uses the words oh that person's just naturally confident it's like if we actually really pull it back, they're naturally confident because their parents instilled that in them. And they've had references throughout their life that show they're confident. If you're not confident, maybe it's because you were one of six kids and you're the youngest. And every time you spoke up, people like laughed at you or whatever. Yeah. And so you're just going up riding on, I'm just naturally not that confident. It's like, I disagree. There's yeah. a reason you're not naturally confident. Let's mm-hmm. have a look at what that reason is. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Mm. That's wild. Yeah. Can relate, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Hit home. Hit nail on the head. So that's a good one. And then you said page three. Page three, yeah. This is a big one as well. They're all kind of deep, I won't lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we suffer so much in imagination, not a whole lot in reality. How funny after all that carnage, they really were just words going through my head. Affirmation, I choose to differentiate between my thoughts and reality. Did you want to unpack that one? Yeah, that one I kind of wrote when... I was struggling a lot. I had very severe PTSD and the intrusive thoughts were not just intrusive. They were real. <laughs> they were my real life. So it was, it was, that was very, very powerful for me to write and read every day. And just, I think because society in general, like everyone's so dissociated mm. 
like we're not present and it's like really just knowing what is in front of you and what is real and what is in your mind, you know, separate those two because mm-hmm. often we're so worked up and our reaction is massive over something that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So reactive. I mean, it happens all the time. Mm. Like yeah, it's happened to me in the past where like, you know, relationships or something, it's like someone starts getting distant and you start imagining, oh, why is it they're doing this? Yeah. Probably none of it's true. Yeah. Yet in your head, you just start imagining it. It's like we suffer so much in imagination, but not a whole lot in reality. Yeah. And that's, yeah, because a big theme for me this year with like a lot of young people has been self-love because mm. a lot of people have this like internal di- dialogue where they really dislike themselves. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, if you were to take that voice in your head and put it across the table from you and have tea with that person, would that be a pleasant experience? Yeah. And some people are like, yeah, most people say no. Yeah. Most people say no. And it's like, if you had a best friend that bullied you as much as your internal dialogue did, would you want to be friends with that person? Yeah, that's true. And this is all just in your head. Mm. It's just all just like stuff that's happening in your head. Because as you said, we aren't present because I think, you know, obviously the phone is yes. a bit of a role. As soon as we are alone, we can just pull it out and distract ourselves. Yeah. Instead of address what we need to be thinking. That's absolutely true. I think also it's powerful to just step back and realize that fear is fake. Like fear, I think, what does fear stand for? It was fuck everything and run. No, <laughs> I mean, that's great. It should stand for that. But I think it stands for f- fantasies envisaged as real. Yeah, yeah. I like, think I've heard that one as well. They're the yeah. two counter ones. <laughs> yeah, I like yours better personally. But <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think f- like just remembering that fear is fake is one of the most powerful things that really helped me step away from a lot of fear. You know, it's ima- it's, imagination. It's also like, if you talk about like fear and then bravery, Mm. There's this misconception that someone who goes and does something and they're not sweating, they're not, they just go and they do it. They're brave. It's like, no, the person who's scared, but does it anyway, they're the brave person. That's yeah. That's wild that you just said that because I was having this, like this conversation in my head for the past few weeks. I'm like, I am so anxious. And it's like, Oh, it's because I'm doing shit. Mm. (laughs) It's because I'm doing stuff that makes me really uncomfortable because I want to grow. Do you Mm. mean? Yeah, totally. And it's like, it's either that or for me, I just feel like it's kind of mediocre. Like, mm. get, like I don't want mediocrity. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Talk about that all the time. Like you're the step, you step outside your comfort zone, you enter the fear zone. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're like, you start stressing anxiety. Yeah. But if you can push through that, that's where we grow. Yeah. That's where the magic happens. Exactly. And the, the key message we say in that conversation is like, whether when you're in the fear zone, you can either step back or you can push through. Yeah. And when you push through, is it always going to be a success? No. Because it's life. You mm. might fail, but if you fail or succeed, you will grow, hopefully. Yes. If you have the, the self-awareness to go, okay, I failed, but what can I learn from this? Okay, this relationship fell apart. I'm heartbroken. I'm devastated. Mm-hmm. Let's take time to get through that. But then as we step back, what can I learn from this and take into my next relationship? How can I improve? Mm. So I think it's good that you've got that, that feeling. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Thank you. I remember when I, was at a, I did this public speaking course. And obviously, yeah. you know, I think... One of the times I've had most anxiety is before, right before I'm about to go and present. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, you know, your full stomach. You can feel it yep. like big time, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, I can't, can't if I get this right. He said, we don't use the word anxiety here. We say, I'm not, I'm not stressing. I'm not, I don't have anxiety. I'm growing or something. I forget what the word oh, was. Oh, okay. Not excited? It was, no, it was a different word. It was like, I'm expanding. That's what he said. Oh, so okay. So he said, if, you're, if someone's standing up in a group and they start talking and they just take a breath, he goes, sorry guys, I'm just expanding. 
And that's expanding. so interesting. I haven't heard that. That's really yeah. clever. I've only ever heard it there. Yeah. And so he used that as a public speaking skill. So it's like, guys, sorry, just give me a second. I'm just expanding. So I'm expanding. I'm using that so yeah, much. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that, that language thing where it's like, you know, that gives you a positive. It's like, okay, this is a good feeling. Mm. Whereas if we go, sorry, guys, I'm stressing. I've got anxiety. We think it's a bad thing. Yeah. When really in that scenario, it would be a good thing because mm-hmm. you're growing. Mm-hmm. Just like how in this, your scenario, you're growing. Mm. And that's why you feel that. Yeah, thank you. There you go. <laughs> Any other pages that stick out? Wild. Page nine, was it? No. No. Oh, 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 oh. Let me see. Or am I just imagining? No, no, I only gave you two, but we can do another one if you like. How about... Hmm. Kind of piggybacking onto a bit of what we said, page four. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's one that's very relevant to parents, I feel, as well. Mm. Would you like me to read it or do you yeah, want to you read, read it? it? Yeah, sure. Painful events are 5% event and 95% reaction. Many of us have been conditioned to react wildly, try viewing everything as a hassle and reject a disastrous outlook on life's inconveniences. Let's choose a little differently today. Affirmation, I choose to tame my reactions. Mm. Painful events are 5% event and 90% how you react. It's a very popular one in the... Yeah. Social development world. It's yes. like, it's not what happens to you. It's no, not what happens to you. It's what happens for you or something. And it's yes, like yes, yes. how you react is all. It's everything. Because then you control it. Yeah. You can't control the events. Yeah. If something bad happened, you can't control that, but you can control how you react to the event. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like most people would react wildly. I mean, myself included, I used to react to everything like it was a disaster and it would make everything that much worse. Mm. And then you're just like, wait, no, I can remain calm mm. and just like, let's see what happens with this situation. And then often it turns out fine. You're like, oh, cool. Okay. It almost always turns out fine. In the long <laughs> like, term. Like I had a, the other day I went to send an email to 40 people yeah. with an offer to a new thing I'm doing. And mm. it was only select people. Like I couldn't send it to anyone else. And um, I send it and then I check my emails when I was out or something. And I was like, I was getting a few emails from people that I hadn't heard before. And I was like, what's going on? And I check and I actually sent it to two and a half thousand people. And I was like, holy shit, no. I was like, this is so bad. This is so bad. But then I was like, yeah. it's done. I can't retract it. Mm. The email has been sent. Mm. There's literally nothing I can do except just message them saying, hey, this was a mistake, you know, and kind of talk to a few of the people. But like, it was out of my control. So it all came down to how I reacted. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. Let's just move on. It's so simple, but such a powerful skill to mm. develop, honestly. Like it can either make or break your day. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that scenario I could have like freaked out. And I did yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. But it was like, as soon as I kind of accepted, there's literally nothing I can do. Yeah. It was like, well, you, yeah, you caught yourself mm. freaking out. And you're like, yeah. eh, nope, we don't need to do that. Yeah. That's like awesome. And that's yeah. what I think I'm really trying as well to do now. Mm. I mean, it sounds like you're succeeding very well, but. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I've. I'm quite logical as well. So it was yeah. like, okay, logically speaking, there's nothing I can do. So why am I yeah. going to worry about it? I've also been doing this work for three, four, or pretty much yeah. since I was 16. Yeah. So. Wow. You started young. Yeah. I got in just personal development. I mean, just like yeah. podcasts. Amazing. I started with podcasts. I just listened to, you know, business people. Then I yeah. went to different people. Then, you know, mm. went to this and then to this and Brene Brown and lots of other people yeah. and just been in this world. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's a fun journey. Mm. You got any other ones? I'll see if I could flick through CNE. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, this is a, could be a good one for my podcast specifically. Yeah. Page 41. Oh, okay. We're jumping. Let's go. Um, you're rich and broken. I'm sorry you were taught that that is success. Those who disregard their health for the dollar are poorer than they've been to condition to believe. If you do not have health, peace and love for yourself, you have nothing. Do your best to align while you're still here. Reality check. You're taking none of it to the grave. Truth bomb. They will remember your spirit, not the car you drive. Affirmation. I choose to chase connection to self before tangible goods. It's really relevant because I talk a lot about success is one of the most dangerous words. Yeah. Because it's so subjective. Yes, yes, yes. And it's really all has to do with you. Like what is success for you? Yeah. And especially with like a lot of these kind of like the Andrew Tate types mm. kind of coming out with almost opposite message. Yeah. Like cars, girls. It's like, sure, having a nice car is fun. Yeah. Beautiful partners, beautiful. Well, that's all fun, but yeah. it's not the end goal. No, it's not. Also, it's not going to make you happy. There's a lot more to life. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I, 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 I empathize for people who are stuck in that cycle of, I have to keep chasing money and get more and get more. Once I get that one, then I'll, I'll feel mm. enough. I'll get that satisfaction and it's never going to come. It's a hamster wheel. Yeah, literally. Mm. So I think that's why this is so important. It's like how you live your days is how you live your life. Yeah. And a lot of people are caught up on the when, when, when mm. I get to this, when I get a job, when I get a yes. raise, when I get married, when I have kids. Yeah. And then suddenly they're like, they're just winning their whole life. Yeah. And then you die. Yeah, literally. <laughs> to be morbid, sorry. Yeah. No, but I mean, if you go back to the top regrets of the dying, there was like um, two, to, and this was from, you know, older people. So in a more traditional world, I guess, back in 50s or whatever. And the men were often like, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Yeah. And then I wish I spent more time with the family. Yeah. And it's like, I think we all know that. Mm. But you, they just, you just get caught up in the career and almost mm. people can use it as a way to like, oh no, I'm working hard to put food. I care about you because I'm working hard. And it's like, you know. Real priorities. Yeah. Like I know the intentions, you know, they don't have bad intentions no, at all. Not. But it's like family is like that. That's so much more important in my experience anyway. It's like, you need to really just step back and list your priorities because work is not mm. always number one all the time, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, and it's like, you better have to take a pay cut. And yeah. cause I mean, some of these people, they'll be making hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars a year. Mm. It's like, you know, if you just dropped a few hours to spend more time with your kids, like I guarantee that appreciate that more than the yeah. items you can buy them or Absolutely. the house they live in. Like, man, when you're a kid, you do not care about the house. No, I didn't. I never remember caring about like the house or the whatever it was. Like, yeah, you're just a kid. You don't know any better. Yeah, nothing beats conditional love. Mm. <laughs> nothing ever will. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, look, this is what you're talking about. The society trains men. No. Oh, yes. The expanding. <laughs> yes, Change my yes. anxiety to my excitement. Yeah. Anxiety and excitement use very similar similar chemicals in the brain. This tricking thing can go both ways. I choose lighter language. Yeah, that's similar. Yeah. This is kind of what we're talking about before as well. Society trains men to flatten their femininity. Suppression is never helpful. Try embracing what you've been taught is feminine. It will usually be soft and kind and it will gift you with the emotional capacity you require to feel released. Affirmation, I choose to be fully human by embracing both masculine and feminine. Mm. <sighs> that. That affirmate, what page was that? That was page 44. That's actually a really good, um, the affirmation's good. Mm. Because by pitching as I choose to be fully human, 
it's hard to kind of argue that. Yeah. Like I think men will often not want to be perceived as feminine. You yeah. say you're being perceived as human. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say before you said that we almost need to change the word from femininity to something else. Otherwise yeah. I think we're just naturally not going to want to. Yeah. A lot of men won't want to do that because it's yeah. like the whole weakness thing. Yes. Mm, with yes. Renee Brown. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's wild. And I say that in the book as well. It's feeling is your introduction to wholeness. <laughs> Mm. Not emasculation. Mm. <laughs> Approach contrasting views with fascination instead of ridicule. Negative judgment uses too much of our beautiful energy. Remember, you are not being silenced when someone challenges your beliefs. If it isn't wrapped in discrimination or prejudice, be interested. Affirmation, I choose to allow space for others' opinions. Yeah. Mm. What do you think of that? I completely agree. As someone who's been like ripped apart a lot on TikTok. Yeah. Based off like a 30 second snippet or something. Yeah. Um, people just jump without yep. any context. They jump to like counter argue it or whatever. And I'm yep. just a bit burnt out from it. Really? I think there's a quote I love and it's like the sign of an intelligent person is your ability to entertain a new idea, mm. not adopt the new idea, just entertain yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is how you become a really intelligent person is by being able to entertain any idea. Like no matter how crazy, if it's like the most crazy idea you see, entertain it and then go, mm, maybe not for me. Yeah. But at least entertain it. Whereas most people hear something that contradicts them and go, nah, nah, nah. Yes. Nah. And it's, that's, I feel like that again is trauma. It's because you feel silenced. Mm. You feel like you are now invisible and it's like, that's not the case. Yeah. People can have contrasting views. There's enough space for all of us here. It's yeah. just, and like I said, if it's not wrapped in, you know, prejudice or discrimination. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Unless um, it's like a real. Yeah. Like, I mean, be interested because even if you disagree so much, you don't know that person's trauma. Well, even you could even remove the prejudice and discrimination. Cause I'll give you mm. an example, right? Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite stories, um, Daryl Davis. Have you heard of him? Heard of. So he's a black man. Yes. Who befriended members of the KKK. Right. Cause he wanted to know their story. He's mm-hmm. like, why do you have this belief? Wow. So he sat down with members of the KKK and over a period of time he helped, I think he got 193 members to quit quit the cult, take off their robes, including some of the big like leaders just by sitting down and having a conversation with them. And I'm like, wow, like that is the highest level of being open-mindedness to hear someone's opinion. Yeah. And I think because he went in to hear their opinion and he gave space for them. Now, when he gave his opinion, they were open to listen to it. Wow. Because if you just sat down and went, oh, you're racist, all these things. Yeah. They, they're not going to care. Right. Yeah. But I always think that is one of the most like incredible stories kind of relating to that idea of entertaining new ideas or being open. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. I didn't, mm. I've not heard that before. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think that's where he kind of blew up a bit. Right. Okay. Ages ago. But I wrote about that story in, in um, the book I wrote with um like eight other people. We kind of wrote a chapter each. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, that's a great story. Like it's yeah. just so, he's a, it, 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 I always love stories that are the most extreme example because it gives me no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? I love that. It's like yes. if you can do that, then I can I can adopt yeah. this one little thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. That's really that's really inspiring. It's like makes me want to write another book. Yeah. <laughs> um, were there any other standouts before we kind of? I'll just flick through here, see if there's any. And what what actually inspired you to write the book? A mental health crisis. Mm. <laughs> A big one. Uh yeah, because when I, I fell sick in 2020, I just got a random bug and was 
bedridden for six months. Um, so it was six months. Yeah, it was. Oh my it, god, it was bad. It was bad. It wasn't like twenty four hours like this. It was six months in my bed like this, and it was just like no one could tell me what was wrong. Holy crap! No doctor could diagnose me. Wow. They were like, "You're healthy. You're fine." And I was like, "I believe you." Like, <laughs> no, like I was so sick. So I was, you know, quite severely gaslit by doctors and. I say this in the beginning of the book. I was like, my body betrayed me. And then my mind followed shortly after. So this book was my healing. It really saved me, to be honest, just getting everything in my head onto paper. And Because I find like we often talk about like something like this, right? Mm. It might not make thousands of copies sold or whatever, mm. but just by writing it, there's a benefit. Yeah, And that's always, you know, you're in a good thing. Like I get yeah. so much out of this podcast, whether anyone listens or not. Yeah. And so obviously do people do listen, which is a nice thing, but it's, I think if that's the approach you're taking, like what is the benefit I can get out of this? Mm. Cause then you're removing the status and the numbers and all mm. the successful terms. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think it's like, why do we create art? We create art to yes, make change, but also because it's healing for us. Mm. Oh. It's a good one. One five nine. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert: Your overreaction to something minor is past pain resurfacing. Wait, take your time to understand the real wo- wound being laid at your feet. It is unhealed, needs your attention, and is often from childhood, which is what we yeah we spoke covered. about. Yeah. Mm. Affirmation: I choose to therapize my large nervous system responses. Yeah, that's a big one. Just like addressing and acknowledging your physiology and your nervous system responses is really like it's a stepping stone to this needs your help Mm. you know this is a wound you know Mm. and i think if we keep doing that work that's how we'll that's that's chasing contentment that is internal tranquility really and so like because i often know a lot of people a lot of my friends are in this space of just first of all just being consciously aware that there's work to do Mm. a lot of people don't even get to that space yeah do you think it's because it's scary and it's really confronting to have to deal with this stuff and go, why am I like, like this? How can I improve, kind of deal with the stuff in your past and whatnot? Because like everyone has stuff in their past, mm-hmm. some worse than others, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because it's not, a, again, it's not a, a ranking thing. Yeah, Everyone has their own stuff in the past and everyone has to deal with it. And for me, I always found once you finish school and university – I think a lot of people go, I'm done learning. That's my phase of learning. I'm like, nah, you're never done learning. In nah. fact, you've got to really address this stuff. The earlier, the better. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are scared of it. I think a lot of people think they can't be bothered, mm. but that's actually just disguised as fear. Mm. Like, I think, yeah, I think it really is fear. I think, I think people are tired. <laughs> I think they're tired because we're very much trained to self-abandon. So that in itself in itself is exhausting. So why are you going to want to do all of this, this like more work, but ultimately it leads to, you know, fulfillment and reconnection, which is again, what the book's about. It's about connecting to yourself mm. and that child, you know, that's why I love inner child work so much. Mm. Like it's, it's such a game changer. Yeah. And that's what you do with your clients. I mean, I can't stray too much from singing lessons, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but we definitely get into you just like, tap into a little bit, like you're definitely not like therapizing def- them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it comes out regardless. They'll be like, 
like, oh, just like my whole life I felt this. And like when I was a kid and like, and I'm like, it all comes out anyway. Mm. But, you know, and that's why the book, you know, the subtitles, the language missing from your healing journey is because I try to understand people the best I can and then tell them what they need to hear mm. to unlock their voice and their confidence, you know? Mm. Um, that's yeah. it really. No, it's such a big thing. Yeah. I, I, you said like just, just then you were like, I think a lot of people don't address it because out of fear, but they'll disguise yes. it as, ah, oh, can't be bothered. I don't, need to, I don't need to do that. Yeah. I completely agree. I do think it is fear. Whether they yeah. want to and will ever admit it or not. Mm. It's like, if you're not scared, then, then do it. Yeah, exactly. If it's not fear, then do it. Mm. It's like you're 20 meters from it and you're fearful. What makes you think you're going to go one meter from it? Yeah. One meter to it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it is scary. It's yeah. very triggering work. It's not, it's not a walk in the park, mm. but it's going to save you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I have one other quote I think is really interesting and I'm really interested to know if you agree with mm. this. Okay. Uh, page 73 it's 4 a.m and the drugs are wearing off what a shame i still don't like me try shining light on your grief instead of numbing it affirmation i choose to overcome the fright i feel about my pain Mm. which again that fear (laughs) and like numbing it and i don't know i don't find many people to be honest agree with that it's very windy today. Oh my God. <laughs> you walked in, it was beautiful. It's like bucketing true, down. True, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if many people agree with that or are ready to hear that in my opinion because it's, it's very confronting because, you know, like alcohol, drugs are so mainstream now. Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, I just want like, I just want a good time. Mm. And it's like, do you or do you want release? Because I was, I've been talking about this with someone the other day. Yeah. I was like, because I'm not big in that space. Mm. Like I don't even... Even like, I never liked the idea of having someone control me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'm not anti it and I still drink and, yeah, and yeah. whatever, but it's pretty rare. Like if I catch myself drinking out of escapism, that's when I know it's, it's getting pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I'll just drink, social drink, I guess is yeah. the term. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was talking to someone the other day and I was just like, she, I was just like, I think it's like a big issue if you're going out Friday, Saturday, every single weekend and you're living for the weekend mm-hmm. and you're regretting Monday. Yes. She's like, yeah, but I'm just enjoying my youth. And I was like, but that's not, you can enjoy your youth other ways. Like yeah. you associate getting drunk and doing drugs and going out every single night as an enjoyable life, which in maybe some cases it is. And I'm not, again, I'm not shitting on that. I just mm. think doing it to like every weekend, day in, day yeah. out. I know enough people who've done that and regret it. Yes. And they say two, three years, it's all a blur. Yeah, and I'd wow. regret Monday, regret Tuesday, start feeling better on Wednesday, go out Thursday, go out Friday, go out Saturday, yeah. regret Sunday, regret Monday, regret Tuesday, start feeling bang, bang, bang. Yeah. It's just a repeat. When it's that like repetitive, it's a weekly thing. It's like, are you enjoying it or you are you enjoying the escape? Yeah, it's the escape. You know? Yeah. It's like from pain again. Yeah. And it's fearful. Like is Fear. the alcohol or drugs enhancing you or is it escaping? Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's escaping. Escape, for sure. For sure. That's a good one. So that it's 4 a.m. and the drugs are wearing off. What a shame. I still don't like me. That's great. Thank Love you. Yeah. Thank you. Try shining light on your grief instead of numbing it. I choose to overcome the fright I feel about my pain. Yeah, it's a really good one. Thank you. You'd probably like 75. I don't know if we, we didn't probably... Yeah, we got time. Yeah, whatever you like. But 75 is pretty good too if you want to read. I like that one. 
If you can't control your emotional pain, you may seek to control someone else's. Hurt people hurt people. I am thankful that healed people heal people. Affirmation, I choose to heal and then heal others. That's a very like generational, thank you, generational trauma. That's like my personal experience speaking. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it's amazing. And that's like, I mean, when it comes to control, you can really, when you step back and do that healing work, you can really pinpoint everyone in your life who is hurting and therefore, like, because they can't control their internal world, they try to control yours. Mm. They don't know how. They haven't yeah. been taught, especially our parents' generation and grandparents. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they have no. no idea how to control yeah. how they feel. So they try to control other things. Yeah. You know? And I think even as hard as it is having compassion for that mm. and their trauma is so important just because the alternative is resentment. Yeah. Well, this is what I was talking about. Like, I don't have, I don't think you could ever have resentment to a, I mean, you could, a grandparent, because they had it so much different. And like, again, yeah. they're suffering from the war, a lot of them. Yeah. Oh know? yeah, feel you. Arab. So, yeah. so it's like, would we have been any better in this situation? Probably not. Yeah. If I was born in that time, I'd probably be the same. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like, you can look at it like that, but then go, all right, well, the next generations, we're going to make them better. Yeah. It's like, how do we move forward? Yeah. Well, it's just, again, the affirmation there was, I choose to heal others. No, sorry, I choose to heal and then heal others, others which yeah. is beautiful. Thank you. Because hurt people do hurt people. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of what the dating world's been a lot recently. The dating, oh, the it's dating just like world. Messed up people with different issues yeah. hurting other people. Yeah. I feel like I, I've kind of experienced that. Like, I've been hurt by people and then I. And then they'll go into hurt someone else, or and it's just like this domino effect. Yeah, and it's amazing how often we don't realize. Like I know you're saying, you've had not too much luck, or whatever you were saying in the dating world. But often, in my experience, anyway, I was very much like, oh, there's no one good. Like, mm. oh, they all do the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's always the same thing, and it's like, oh, hang on. I'm the common denominator here. I've been saying this recently. <laughs> I've been like, because I wouldn't, I, sometimes I vent. I'm just like, ah, it, it sucks out there. But I'm also like, I know there's someone out there. I know there's yeah. a lot of good people out there. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what's the common denominator? You go on 20 dates and they all fail. What's the common thing going on there? It's, and that's why I'm so big on attachment styles as well. Do you know much about attachment styles? A little bit? I, li- I listened to a Mel Robbins podcast. Yes. I sent um, that um, to my friend, Annie's sister, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. And, and I he think, sent it to me. I think that's, yeah, it domino effects. But yeah. you know what's funny? I actually, I came across it a day before she sent it to me. Oh, really? on my own, yeah. Yeah. When I was on a plane and I was looking through podcasts and I saw Mel Robbins and that was one of her like yeah. most listened to episodes and I was like, yep. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I don't know it very well though. I just listened to one episode, but I want right. to learn about it a bit more. Yeah. It's, well, Read Attached. It's a great book. Mm. I forget who it's by. I'm so sorry. But you can look it up. There's only one really book called yeah, Attached. Yeah. But, um, but it goes into detail about attachment styles and- it really can, it's a game changer for dating. Mm. When you understand your attachment style and can like identify other people's, you can very quickly just eliminate someone who isn't secure. Mm. You know, if they're avoidant or if they're an anxious attachment, it's like they have that emotional instability they need to address first. I feel anyway, speaking as an anxious attachment kind of becoming secure, it's, it's work that you can do 
you know, you can change. You're not, mm. you're, you're not stuck as an anxious or an avoidant attachment, mm. you know, or disorganized. But I think for me, something I've kind of realized recently is like, you know, there's like the thing, it's like um, girls will date like a, a, an asshole because it's like exciting and stuff. Yeah. I feel like it's actually been me, but there's not much people talking about that for like the other way around. Like yeah. I'll date girls that are like, not assholes, but they're yeah. fun and exciting. But deep down, I know they've got a lot of issues and it, it, yeah. always, it always comes out and then they'll like stop responding or they'll like yeah. have a, a thing where they disappear for a week or they don't communicate well. Yeah. And it's like, I think I need to like, so I'm being way more intentional with my dating life now. It's yeah. like, okay, is this person... Yeah. Because it's hard. I think the perfect one is someone who's really, really fun and gives you the excitement, but has also dealt with their stuff and can communicate effectively and is respectful. Definitely. I think they're quite rare though. <laughs> yes, totally. And it's very interesting you say that because often the people who are good for you can feel boring. Yes, I know. And it's like, oh, that's secure. And it's like, that's where love's going to grow. I know, but I need to choose that. And it's just boring right now. Yeah. I want the unstable one because maybe that's what was modeled for me as love. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a whirlwind. It's, yeah. It is, but ultimately I, you know, you're dating well when you start attracting secure people. Mm. That's all you're doing the work, you know, you're doing the work. And that's where it's like, if you want to improve your dating life, focus on improving yourself. Yes. It's like, the, there's a quote I heard. It's like, the flower doesn't dream of the bee. It blossoms and the bee comes to it. Yeah. And so rather than working yes. on like pickup lines or, you know, yes. what can I do to little gimmicks or whatever? It's like, just work on yourself. And a yeah. byproduct of that is you're going to attract someone. It it's, might take a lot longer. It's not as fun and as easy to sell to people. Yeah. But it's reality. So true. I wrote pretty much that in the book. It was like, how to find love. Step one, love yourself. Yeah. Step two, attract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole thing. It's like you've got two people that are um, unhappy yeah. alone and then together they're happy. That's not healthy. But mm-hmm. if you've got two people that are happy alone and together that's enhanced. That's what a relationship should be. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people don't do that. Uh, yeah, no, a lot. Yeah. But I mean, sounds bad to say, but how many relationships do you look at and you're like, they're so happy pretty rare <laughs> pretty rare yeah relationships i mean that's a whole other episode i think yeah <laughs> for sure episode. for sure for sure but anyways um ollie yes thank you so much for coming on thank um, you if anyone wants to get a copy of your book um a beautiful mind where's the yes. best place to go uh you can get it on amazon you can get it on book depository you can get it on booktopia so just google it really yeah just google it barnes and noble they're all there before we wrap up one final question yes that is what advice would you give to the younger generation Ooh. Like 18-year-old. Oh, an 18-year-old. What advice would I give you? I would say do your best to listen to yourself. And everyone can be wrong about you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big one. I think if I heard that when I was 18, that would have been life-changing. Mm. Everyone can be wrong about you. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Is that quote from Aristotle when it's like, how does it go? I forget it. It's, it's along the lines of if you're not upsetting anyone, then you've done something wrong. <laughs> it's along, it's like, because if you, if you truly live yourself authentically, people mm. aren't, some people aren't going to like that out of yeah. the billions of people here. Yeah. And a lot of people will like never be authentic because they just want to please everyone. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you please no one. Mm-hmm. 
And that's something I had to accept with the hate comment. Because I, I was like, I'm doing a podcast for young people. I'm putting out good content on TikTok. Like, yeah. I'm, everyone's going to love me. Nah. Like, Man. yeah, I get a lot. Obviously, I get a lot of love and support. But, like, you also get a lot of, you know, people disagreeing with these opinions and, like, ripping yeah. into you and stuff. And it's something I had to deal with. Um, because and, and the way I've dealt with it, it's like, no, I know what I'm doing is good. I've got enough intelligent people that I respect say it's good. Mm-hmm. All the guests I have on are intelligent people I respect. And they know it's good. Mm-hmm. So why would I care about some comments from probably some idiot? Yeah, you know, who, who really has his own issues or their own issues or whatever. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, Ollie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What a fun episode. I'm excited to go edit this and put it together. Um, thank you. I highly recommend this book. I've just read a few pages and it's really cool. I'm going to be going through it. Very <laughs> quick read. It's a book you can kind of just pull out and just read a random page. Yeah, like, for there's sure. There's no like, no order. Each, each page is a separate yeah. little quote, affirmation yes. um, and theme. So yeah. Beautiful Mind, go Google that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.